now it's time for the word. For the angel of the house, I present to you Apostle Susan Howard. Bless the Lord. Amen. It's all right to worship him. Come on, let's clap our hands for the exhorter that's growing up in the house of the Lord today. Very proud, very proud. Peyton said, he should do this all the time. He's good. And I said, look at the church of the future. If God is building his house, hallelujah, we are definitely an example of that. And then I think it was either Minister Maria or Peyton that said, and Chris Blake, they're coming forward. These young men, they're coming forward. Come on, like I said yesterday at Minister Vanessa's celebration of her doct doctorate, this is a feather in our cap, the Apostles' House. This is what God is doing. We know the glory belongs to God, but look what God has done in this, in us. This satellite office through heaven. And there's so, 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 so much more. God bless you all. Can y'all crack some windows? Y'all keep making it hot when the preacher get up. And we need some air up in here. Thank you. It's very nice to know that we don't have to pay for air. Uh -huh. Or air conditioning, church. Anyway. Hello, grand musicians. How are you guys today? Doing well? Awesome. Cam, thank you for coming back. It looked like it was a little tempting. Nice walks by the water. Uh-huh. Was God speaking to you? I believe so. Absolutely. To see him by the ocean. When y'all take them ocean pictures, I'll be right there. I can hear the water just, I just go back. They probably see my name as watching it three times. I go back again. I was in um, Target the other day, and they have a Namaste Barbie doll. She's poised with her fingers up. She's got her mindfulness music playing, and we still don't have a Christian doll. I remember when I wanted to make a, a Christian Barbie doll, so much after me, but to let little girls know it's okay to identify themselves in the house of God and to be preachers. And uh, another Christian was saying, we can't do that, that's idolatry. So I left it alone. But you know, sometimes, right, we have to, we have to think how we're gonna get into the world. Not everybody you talk to are world movers and world shakers. So you have to be careful when you have ideas, who you bring it around, amen? Amen, you can take your seats. We're still in our fear series, praise the Lord. I hope y'all getting delivered. <clears throat> and you ain't gonna only, well, I can't say you cannot, but for the majority, your full deliverance isn't going to happen on a Sunday morning. There has been some that has come up and God has taken away drug addiction, sexual perversions, suicide, homicide, removed it from our DNA, removed this, rebuked the spirit from us. But for the other portion of us, we need a little more work. We need what's called application. Amen? So do not live on just bread alone on Sunday mornings. You've got to replay these. We have them on a podcast. I know we're on, we're on the churches on Apple, iTunes, the churches on Spotify, I believe um, Amazon, Auto, Audible, some of the other ones. I mean, almost everyone, there's so many that we're on right now that 
whatever you're on, we're probably there. Search us out. Check it out because it comes by application. We cannot live on Sunday morning alone. And I'm not teaching this just to come up with a sermon. I'm teaching this because I expect to see the fruit of my labor. I expect to see the change in the culture of God's people. Amen? So in dealing with the series on fear, we're talking about identity struggles. Identity struggles. Fear will alter your identity. So especially for those of us that are believers in Christ, that is a dent. That is a hit in our identification as a Christian. Because we know what he's told us about fear. What's the most common cliche scripture people use? For God has not given us the spirit of fear. And we quote it. And when do we quote it? As we're still holding and hosting fears in us, right? So we have to learn to apply the scriptures. And with our prophetic summer school, Sunday school, that's starting next Sunday morning. I heard y'all all down here. I said, oh, okay, they're ready. We're going to see how ready they are. I expect to see some deliverances, some healings. And I expect, as they said from COVID, there's some long haulers, people who have residual effects from COVID. Well, I expect to see some prophetic types becoming long haulers, that you have some residual effects from God, that you have some residual effects from an encounter with the prophetic and with God's prophets. It's time to grow up. We teach these things to grow the house. I still am stuck in my mind on our series we did from Hebrews. And, and, and Apostle Paul said, many of y'all should be teachers by now. Why are you still sitting and being solely amazed in the earth? Why hasn't God shown you something that you need to teach on, a passion that you've connected with? You still struggle with getting to church on time. And you should be teaching already. You still struggle with your servanthood. You think because you're a preacher, you don't have to serve. You want to solidify your ministry? Serve. I'm going to say it again to the people in the back. You want to solidify your ministry? Serve. Even in the mastermind teaching that I'm preparing to go over again so that I can get it straight to sheer on such a diverse group on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings are tricky because you're not dealing with just prophetic people. They didn't sign up for prophetic class. You're not just dealing with the teachers because we had a meeting with the five-fold teachers. Sunday morning, you have people who've never heard the gospel, people who have heard it so long that it just goes off like water on a duck's back. You have people that come to come against the word of God. You have people coming in that need deliverances and healings and a whole lot of other stuff. So getting up on a Sunday morning isn't the easiest job to do, getting up here on a Sunday morning. Never mind getting up out of your own bed. Getting up here on a Sunday morning isn't the, the easiest thing to do because you have a vast audience and you have to speak using words and vocabularies and your charismata to reach the unbeliever, the believer, the one who's falling or the one who's failing, the one who's having a dark season of the soul with God where they're not sure if God is even paying them any attention and maybe the enemy has whispered so, they wonder if God even exists. Or maybe they have evidence that God exists for y'all, but God doesn't exist for me. So it, it takes a lot. You have to be in prayer. 
You have to shut your flesh down, especially on a Saturday. You can't be at all kind of events. You have to be willing to say, I can't go to this and I can't show up for that because God has put you in a place where you're going to speak his word amongst his people and he needs your flesh quieted. And he needs to be able to come through you with all glory. And these are things that if you haven't learned yet, you're learning now. And you're going to learn even more. I've learned it. I don't fight with Saturdays anymore. I totally surrender. My, my level of consecration used to be greater. I can feel God for some reason calling me back to that level that I had to um, be at with my beginning with him, where I kind of outgrow it. It's like you're in a nest with God. And it's a real strong and powerful developing stage. And you feel so safe and so secure and you never want to leave it. And then God one day just kind of like pushes you out the nest. And you didn't know you could fly until you had to. Yeah. But still at times, you want to go back to the nest. Because you really felt God. You knew he was there. Artists have tried to write it and poets have tried to pen it. That there was footprints in the sand. I wonder how I made it through when I looked down it was one set of footprints and it was God who was carrying me people love those seasons and we want to stay in those seasons but that's not God's will for our life God's will is I need you to drive I need you to take the will I don't want to take the will I took the will where were you when I drew the lines in the sand and told the ocean and the seas where to stop where were you he's not looking to take the will he's looking to see the manifestation of his word in his people take the will and become leaders and, and, and world changers and movers and shakers in this earth I had a, a advertisement up for my book y'all probably came across it a couple times it's a sponsored advertisement and I saw some lady wrote underneath it no thank you I won't read it I have God and you know the part of me wanted to take the time but for some reason on her post, I don't know what kind of post she had, but there was no way to reply or to comment. It was just a block. I don't know what kind of post that was. But I want to let her know there is no self-esteem outside of God. Like we're going to talk about today. There is no self-confidence outside of God. Everything we have is on sinking sand. My self-confidence is in God. And I don't have to go around saying I have a God confidence because that's religious. I have to be assured that what he has given me is in me, that I can pronounce it in me to the people because God gets the glory for what I do. I don't have to go around saying, oh, don't give me compliments. God gets the glory. No, I have a right to give you a compliment. You take it to your God and you tell God, I give you the glory for the compliments the people have given me today. But they can glory in you. They should. Absolutely they should because we are the culture of God. When people see us, they see God. So don't block the compliments. Don't block the boasts. Receive it. And when you get home or you get alone, God, I glorify you. I give it all to you, God. If it wasn't for you who was on my side, God, you give him the glory. But don't shut people away from giving thanks and praise. Some people, that's all they know. But guess who they're watching and they don't even know it. They're watching the invisible God in the visible you. You better thank him right there. <clears throat> For I can do all things through Christ who? My confidence is in God. My self-confidence is in God. But he doesn't say in the scripture, I can do all things in Christ who Christ gives strength. He makes it clear. I need y'all to get this. It's in you. 
I need you to be confident. I need you to esteem yourself highly because I'm in you. I've given you this strength. And if you understand that I've given you this strength, then it's okay to say, I'm confident. Apostle Paul had to tell the people because they called them arrogant. There's some women groups and some women movements that are out there and they say they won't ever follow the Bible because Apostle Paul was male chauvinist. Well, you lack interpretation, obviously, my sister, because you don't have the Holy Spirit that would give you the key and the discernment to the scriptures that only the wise in God are able to understand. He wasn't a chauvinist. He even went a little bit further to say, I boast in God. He was an arrogant man. If that's what you see in the flesh, he was a confident man. And that's what we need in Christendom, some confident believers, some confident seekers, people who highly esteem themselves because they know the king that they serve. The world doesn't struggle in this. We get in God and act like we got to be doormats. Know who you are. It's part of your identity formation. It's the reformation that you are born new, born again in. Before I was confident because I was confident in my natural skills and talents, but now I can do all things. I'm not just a good typist. I can be a good boss because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a self-confidence. So part of our identity formation, and that is a real term, it's a psychological term, and if you notice that the, the world and everything there in it is having an identity problem right now. I was on a clubhouse last week, my little curious self, and I was able to sit through and hear multiple conversations on all the different spiritualization that they were bringing forth in their house. And they were sharing all their beliefs and namaste and the celestial and their belief in um, the, the animal kingdom and their belief in um, one woman, she was an older woman and you could tell by her voice she was a, a senior woman. She had a, a southern accent and she kept cutting in and they gave her space to talk and I think most platforms would have shut her down but they gave her space to talk. You see how they work? what they want to work for their agenda. And um, she began to say how when her husband died, he came back in one of their pets. And she knew it because this pet whole demeanor changed after he died. And she knew her husband was speaking to her and her husband was in their pet until he can come in another body again. And she was clear on it. And they all was like, ah. she's like, I know y'all gonna think I'm crazy. I was like this. Everybody was like, no, I don't think you're crazy at all. Support for it. There was support for everything until they named the name of Christ. These brothers, more brothers than anything, came up and said, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was um, trying to shut my dog down from barking. I mean, interrupting while he was speaking, making jokes, making fun of it. And there was one man on there, um, his name that he had on Clubhouse was Abraham, and he kept having his one answer all by himself, and he's he stood the ranks with them until the end. But the disrespect, the dishonor, the disregard. One brother had the nerve to say, um, and I'm telling you, they believed in everything. Celestial. They believed in the stars. They believed in crystals. They believed in talking pets. Everything until somebody named the name of Christ. And then the, the attacks came up. And they said, we want to remind everyone that on this platform, everyone has a right to share. And they did a good job at it. And they, they talked about um, Eckhart, 
whoever Oprah follows, Tolly, Eckhart Tolly, they talked about him, and, and I like some of his teaching. He just leaves out the Christian base. To me, he read the Bible and, and left Christ out and just recites Christ's work. And um, he was talking, they were talking about how the ego takes over. And when the ego takes over, it makes you passionate and you want to fight for what you believe in. So it's understandable that you want to get passionate. But on this platform, we're not going to do that. But it was so nice, y'all. It was like a Mecca until somebody brought Jesus in that room. When Jesus came in that room, the nails went flying, the hammer came out. They was re-nailing him back to that cross to make sure he stays on that cross and doesn't get down. One brother had the nerve to say there is still no information or fact that Jesus ever existed or even walked this earth. And he went in from there. I don't recommend you do this if you are a babe in Christ because for a couple days I had a lot of warfare in my mind. But it also thwarts me into a place where it brings me to a deeper level of study in God. It doesn't turn me away when they say things that you're like, hmm. It brings me closer into a study to find out what is the mystery to this God. And as prophetic people, we've got to be prepared for the unbelievers. Because at one point in time, there was more of us, if you will, than it is of them. Tables are turning. And more believers are turning. And there's more mysticism being brought in the church in the name of Christ so that we all can just kind of merge and be happy together. And, you know, this is going to be the ultimate peace. And if anybody has followed Christ, you know that Christ said, I am the peace. Because I didn't come to bring peace. Your peace is in me. I came to bring a sword. Mama may be against daughter. Son may be against father. I came to bring the sword. But your peace that you need, it's in me. So you can't expect the Pope to ever achieve world peace like he thinks he's going to. You can't expect the prime ministers and the WHO organizations to sit at the table and think that they're ever going to have this world peace. There's no such thing as world peace. Because your freedoms will cross the line to my freedoms. And my freedoms are going to cross the line of your freedom. There will never be peace. The peace that we need and the peace that we're searching for only comes from in Christ. How are you willing to go there? Amen. And it comes from application of his word, praying, reading your scriptures. How many of y'all read the Bible once a week? How many of y'all read the Bible every day? We've gotten so far away from it because the enemy's ploy was to get us busy. You've got to open up that book and read those scriptures. Your identity comes from the scriptures, not from the world. Mama and daddy don't even know who you are. It comes from the word of God. Your prescription, your antidote, your healing, getting your mind on straight. It comes from the word of God. You're not going to get what you need from TV, the world, or anything else. You can achieve a lot of success, but you will not be able to keep it if this confidence I have isn't in God. Hallelujah. So let's talk about some identifying of our struggles today. <clears throat> We're going to deal with today the fear of poverty. Because a special someone is coming up next week, and I don't want to touch theirs. I want them to go ahead and bring it. <clears throat> right, Minister Brittany? She's going to bring that thing next week, right? Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. The teacher of teachers, the connoisseur of teachers, is going to come forth and exegete the word of God for us. Ah, hallelujah. And I expect nothing less than a five-fold teaching from you, my dear. Need another week now? 
It is so necessary to recognize every and any area in our lives where we are not trusting God. You can be an apostle and not fully trusting God. You can be a prophet, hallelujah, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, and not fully trusting God. But if you really want to see the miracle signs and wonders, you want keys released to you, you've got to trust God. Remember the old preachers? I don't know how many people preached that sermon. you got to trust God when you can't trace God. How many of y'all heard that sermon? We remixed it, re-stewed it, microwaved it, convention ovened it, did the old conventional oven of it. That sermon hit the rockets in Christendom. you got to trust God when you can't trace God. But they knew what they were talking about. When you don't feel him, Abraham went how many years and didn't hear from God? And y'all want a word every day. Let me go to my horoscope. Let me go to the necromancers and the palm readers. Let me call the church every day and ask for a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. Abraham went how long? How many? That's what y'all sound like up here. It was revelatory and prophetic to going through Egypt to the promised land. But nonetheless, he had to go without a word from God. How many of us could make it without a word from God? How many churches didn't reopen after COVID? How many people got online and emailed me and said, I'm online because my church still isn't open. They're not even broadcasting from their kitchen. We have no word coming from our leader. And then the words that came was, God's going to make you a millionaire. Right now, a million dollars ain't going to keep my family safe from COVID. I need the blood around my house. I need the blood that causes death to pass over my house. I need the oil from the old days on my windows and on my doorposts. We need a revelatory word. That's what we're about in the church. The Bible isn't old. The Bible doesn't get expanded. It is the exhausted condition. Because it can always tell us what God is doing, what God is saying, and where God is at. Even if you got to hold on to it. How many years did the, the Christian family, according to the scripture, go into the dark ages? Between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years. No God. Think a book of Eli if you're a movie buff to help you with your seer imagination. Not a word from God. The dark ages, murder and persecution, people hiding out, people converting because they couldn't hear from God and the darkness of the other ages took over. And we want to be in an identity crisis? It is necessary for all of us to start with ourselves to find out where is it at that I'm not trusting God in? Where is my unbelief and my doubt? We can recognize without a doubt when fear is absent in any human being. And it always shows up with fear, guilt, and shame. All of that came right out of Genesis 3. It's the first thing the enemy moved on and did to God's people. If I could just get you to trust me, if I could gaslight Eve enough and get her to trust me, I can have them so bound through generations and generations with fear, 
guilt, and shame and robbed us of our identity where now you have Christians who are in church lighting incense. Christians who are doing all kind of posture. I saw a woman the other day and uh, she's a therapist and she was praying to God and then she decided to channel in the person who she was playing in the background. Channeled them in. <laughs> who are you following? Do you know what they do? Some are bold enough to do it on lives, but not all of them are. They understand that there's a better following and hiding their secret witches and their secret gods in the back room. Can you recognize someone who's not a follower of the way? When we recognize that fear is in our life, we have to find where the guilt is in our life. When you have these type of things going on inside of you psychologically, you have to understand that what's bred from that, what grows from that, what manifests from that, is you become unloving and envy and jealousy feels in the place where trust in God should be. People are like, I don't know why I'm jealous of this situation and I don't know why this is about people who are real enough and able enough to do that has to understand that envy and jealousy robs you of the gifts and blessings that God has given to you. We have no reason to be jealous. The only time you're jealous is when you haven't tapped in to what he's given you. And it gets exhausting trying to be somebody else. So I want to talk about a phobia today. I didn't even realize how many phobias there were. We have the top seven. We have the, the near top ten. There's thousands of phobias. There's a phobia of height, right? But then there's a phobia of flying. There's a, a phobia of flying, and there's a phobia of, of ear sickness from flying. So I can fly, but my fear isn't getting sick while flying. Look what he's done to our identity. I was going to read a long list out today until I realized it went on with a, a button that said forward, forward, forward. I was only in the A's at how many phobias we had because of the fall. You could fear things that don't even exist. Fear, which becomes a part of our identity, which then the word identity formation comes from because that identity from fear begins to form you. How about a fear of being alone? That's the one I wanted to bring today, but the Holy Spirit pushed this one. Fear of being alone. How many people that I talk to suffer with a fear of being alone? And you will be surprised at what the root is with the fear of being alone. It's stuff that we can really deal with. And I'm gonna, when I close, I'm gonna give you some, some, some direction on how to deal with it. But you know what the majority of it is? You gotta talk about it. You got to talk about it. You can't hold these things in and say, well, God's going to go ahead and do it. God is going to do it, but he gave you teachers. He gave you counselors. He gave you pastors. He gave you a gene to be social. And the majority of the work you would do with a therapist is talk therapy. You have to talk it out. Keeping these secrets to yourselves makes them sins. Keeping these secrets to yourself gives the enemy just enough to keep putting his finger in. Confess your sins. Confess your faults one to another. 
He doesn't want us to do it so people can hear our private testimonies and throw them up in our face. He's trying to tell you, this is how you're going to get free from this thing. You got to confess this thing. Somebody else in the room may have it. Somebody else in the room may have been delivered from it. Somebody else may have the keys to your deliverance for it. Somebody may have the long-term program for your deliverance for it. But we come to church and we dress it up. We want to act like, we want to call it a hospital, but everybody is sick except for you. So this phobia, this fear of poverty, and it's called penny phobia, P-E-N-I-A, and then phobia, P-H-O-B-I-A. Pennyophobia is the fear of poverty. Them old Greeks, they studied everything. The word came from the Greeks, which you could say penny now, but I'm sure they said it penia, and it means poverty, which probably where I were, penny pitcher. Penny pincher came from. How many of y'all know a penny pincher? How many of y'all are penny pinchers? How many of you are penny pinchers beyond where you'd like to be, where you know it's a problem? How many of you penny pinch yourself first and all the time? Three people are honest in here. The rest of y'all liars on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pennyophobia. Penia, P-E-N-I-A, and then the rest is phobia, is Greek, which means poverty, and phobia also from the Greek, which means fear. Paniophobia is considered to be a specific phobia because it keeps you from trusting your God when it comes to his provision for your life. That's why no one is ever perfect. Because people are teaching you or specialize in certain areas or they um, brought you through something great and then you put angels' wings on them. That's immature of you to do that. Because I'm good in one thing doesn't mean I'm good in all things. I still have to work out my soul salvation. There's, there's this psychiatrist that they have on TV and I watch her and when she's not counseling her clients she's in her alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous support group why would we be surprised though because we made humans superhuman why would we be surprised that when we meet anybody they've got some kind of issues going on inside of their humanity the spirit is willing. The flesh is where the weakness comes from. Take the, the wings off of people and let them be human with you. And outside of her support group, she's one of the best psychiatrists around. She, they have her written up in magazines and everything. And when she started drinking in between clients, she realized that she had to shut it down, call her sponsor, and get her work done for herself again but it does not disqualify her from where she is an expert at. But being an expert at something textbook doesn't diminish the fact that the textbook might not work for me. I need support and sponsorship for me to be with and, and do what I need to do for God. Take the, the wings off of people so that you can bring everybody down to a nice even fold and we can reason together. 
Everyday people have good reasons to fear poverty. The problem becomes when it's taken to an extreme point to where someone becomes so frugal, frugal, mm -hmm. see, I don't even like that word. Don't even want to come out of my mouth, glory to the most high. Frugal and fearful of losing money that they are totally unable to enjoy life, especially in the present moment. And instead, are stricken with intense anxiety on a daily basis. Then they have paniophobia. How to know if you have it? Um, when I do offering call, that's how we're going to know if y'all have it. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. Mm -hmm. And what she got on her shirt, honey? How to know if you have paniophobia? <laughs> Number one, anxiety. Anxiety. Anxiety when thinking about money. Anxiety when thinking about poverty. Got to trust God. That's what you have to keep in your mind as we go through this. Number two, being extremely frugal. How would you know if you were extremely frugal? Married people, how would you know? Who gonna tell you? The junior Holy Spirit. Your spouse. They gonna let you know. How do you know if you're not married yet? Right, your social circles. People are gonna tell you and you're not gonna wanna hear it. And when they tell you and you get upset, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm a paniophobia. Just go on and deal with it. Because the, the purpose of being in social circles is to be a reflective mirror of who we are that we can't see in a material mirror. We need people in relationships and we need to give them the, the, the position to be honest with us so that we can correct these things in our lives so we can go and be movers and shakers and world changers. But you can't be that if you want people to give unto your bosom, but you're afraid to give unto anybody else's bosom. And remember, after the giving, he wanted you to press it down. Anybody ever have to gather leaves? Any of y'all? I mean, this generation, I don't even think y'all vacuum. Never mind rake leaves. They were like, do what? I remember when I was little and I was raking leaves and I got blisters in my hand. My father had to tell me, you're raking wrong. I'm raking wrong? How could it be wrong and raking? You can rake wrong. Well, this is in my day when they had wooden handles. Nowadays, y'all probably got plastic and everything else. You rake, right? And then you pick it up maybe with a shovel if you're ghetto because you don't have a blower. We, ain't, we couldn't afford a blower. So we had a rake, or some of us rip a cardboard off a box. Come on, ghetto folks. And we just go on and, and rake it up on a little cardboard box. And we throw it in the bag or the garbage can, right? And then you think you did a good job. And then somebody come out and say, what? Oh, you got to press that down. There's more room in there. And so my father would pick us up, because we was little kids, and put us in it. 
Come on, step it down. Step, so we in the bag, in the basket, stepping on the leaves, pushing them down. To make room for more. And then he'd take us out and he'd shake it a little bit and say, go in and press a little bit more. We'd have to press it down a little bit more. God said, don't just give. I want you to make sure that you press it down, shake it together so that it could run over. That's the giving as believers we're supposed to have. The church should never have a money problem because our money is pressed down, shaken together. Come on, prophets, make a song out of it. You're going to find out from your social circles if you're frugal. Oh, see, I still don't like it. And I'm going to leave it like that. Y'all pronounce it. Number three, you are unable to cope with this fear of being frugal. Unable to cope. You know it's there. You don't even have to have a thought or an interaction regarding money, and it's there. It wakes up, and it goes to sleep with you. Number four, believe this or not, there's a physiological affect to it. Muscle tension, shakiness when it regards money. And the real phobias, carriers, will have panic attacks when it comes to dealing with money. I remember when God called me in and I came from a, a sordid lifestyle, but money was never my problem. And when I got in with God, the first thing he did was blow my money away. I had three cars that I picked and choose how, which ones I wanted to drive on what day. Cars was gone. They broke down because they was paid for, so the bank couldn't take it. So God made sure the cars broke down. I couldn't afford to fix them. And then the church that I was in told me, I don't know about you. You take five steps forward, and you go ten steps back. So they were watching this life that I was living in Christ now because the people that I was bringing into the church came from a lifestyle where they had money. And they didn't want to come into something that God was doing broke. I don't do broke well. That's why I do illegal means to get money because I don't do broke well. Amen? Can we be honest? So I was trusting God. And I remember when I got the foreclosure notice on my house, single mom and pregnant by my about-to-be husband at the time. And my pastor found out that my house was being foreclosed on. And he said, why didn't you come to me for the money? I said, you said we're supposed to trust God. I mean, if God is real, ain't he going to do something? And he just looked at me like, you crazy. You, we took the message a little too, Sunday was a little too powerful for you. <laughs> you got to be nervous. I said, I'm nervous every night. He said, the light's been off for a month. I still work two jobs, can't get ahead of anything. Car was repossessed. So I was taught by financial people to go to a car lot and get a buy here, pay here before the repo hits my credit report. So I went and got a maxima for $50 a week. I had to rebuild everything that I feel was illegally achieved. God wanted to bring me into a life of integrity. And I had to lose it all. You talk about Job. When your friends talk about you, why are you going through this? Come on, I got something right here. You can re-up with this, and you can start all over all day. Matter of fact, you ain't even got to pay me back from that. Just start floating right there from that. Nope, not going to do it. 
And then the church telling you, you cursed. We don't want to sit by you because you make five step forwards and you ten step back. Like you got leprosy. We don't, we don't know how to explain you. And I said, I'm going to trust God. No braggadocious statement here. I promise you. Because I'm the type that if you tell me something and you've convinced me, I am your biggest representative and your biz, biggest partner on it. But if you don't get me, I ain't wasting my time with you. I trusted God. Isn't it amazing? I tell you that story just to tell you this last little part. When I came home, the lights were cut off. I ain't never had my lights cut off in my life. I came home to turn that light switch on and the lights didn't come on. I couldn't believe it. I went and checked another one. I went and checked another one. Finally, none of the lights would come on. So I go next door to the neighbor. I said, your light's working? Like, yeah, our lights are working. Why are you having a problem? Yeah. And I'm like, uh-oh, Suzanne, your stuff might have been cut off and you just embarrassed yourself. So she said, check your circuit breaker. It just might need to be reset. That's probably what it is. Thank you, because now I'm embarrassed now. Now the enemy's getting in. It took me, believe it or not, completely true story, probably eight years to get over the fear of my electricity being turned off. Eight years later, I would come in the house, and if I would not even put my bag down or take my shoes off, the first thing I would do, hit the light switch, and I will be at work thinking, I hope the lights ain't cut off. I paid the bill. Do you hear what I'm saying? The bill is paid. But there was still a fear from something that happened to me that it caused a trauma that had me not trusting if the lights would be on. Psychologically, okay, what that should tell you is if the lights were turned off and you got them turned back on, what happened before can happen again. So have peace. If your lights are off, you can get them turned back on again. You've been through this cycle before. That's the normal psychological response. When you have a response that says, oh my God, I don't want the lights turned off. I don't want the lights turned off. I don't want the lights turned off. That's fear. Fear has taken over you. And that's a place now where you no longer trust God. I trusted God when a house was in foreclosure and he told me to buy paint and paint the porch while the sheriff served the notice. I went and got the paint, painted the house, got a phone call from the bank, we don't want your house. Take three months while we get your paperwork together and we'll start all over again. I trusted God through that. But even when I left that house and got a bigger house, I still would test the light switch. A fear came into me. And that fear was bigger than me and Eversource. That fear was me with my forever source. I couldn't trust him anymore in the little things because I was afraid that something had taken a control over me that I no longer had. I could actually be in the dark by myself with this little boy. Do you get what I'm saying? They're subtle and they sneak in. And it took me at least eight years, y'all, to get over my lights being out. I'm sharing this testimony with you to trigger in you where is it that you're not trusting God? This today is about money, but where is yours? Where is this one place that's hiding out in you that either came from trauma of an adult experience or trauma from a childhood experience? Did your family raise you frugal because they never had? Did someone tell you, you better always save? Come on, y'all. Put the money in your mattress. Don't bring it to the bank. Lot that did for us, right? Our own family stole it out the mattress. 
It's okay to laugh. It's healthy. <laughs> we worrying about the man stealing it and, and Dee Dee and them stole it from us. But when you have these phobias, they bring fear, number one, and can have a physical problem in your body with muscle tension, shakiness, panic attacks. Just the thought of spending money. Sometimes, even before the paycheck comes, watch yourself and see if you start having these manifestations in your body. You're about to get paid Friday and then this, this trauma comes over your body. What are the causes? What are the causes? A combination of external events. None of this stuff is even internal. It's external events. Amazingly, through COVID, people have made more money through COVID than the last 30 or some odd years in this history. Is that crazy or what? From, from those who started investing to those who company went and did different things. I know people that got jobs. I know people that got promotions. Latanya was one of them. Mama, you're not going to believe how much money I'm about to make. How much? Got a major promotion, almost like she working a job and a half. In COVID, by a state-ran facility. Because you know them be the ones that try to act like, well, the moderate income right now, statistically, we can only give you a 50 cent an hour. During COVID, miracles happened. And many people missed it because they was in fear. So all of this is based on external stuff, including traumatic events. Some of it we have to give some credit to hereditary and genetics. Transgenerational effects is what it's called, when something is passed generation to generation. Isn't that amazing? Class I was in last week taught me something I never knew or never thought I would ever believe. Denial can be genetically transmitted. The fact that you live in denial. Why is it that you can't accept things the way they are? Why can't you hear the truth? Why does the truth bother you so much? Denial can be genetically transmitted. And for an addict, it keeps them in the addiction cycle because the genetic releases the denial in their brain coding. This is not little demons we fight in here. We want to save lives and help change people's lives. Most phobias can be traced back to a specific triggering event. Father, I pray for those right now under the sound of my voice, whether they're on live stream or in this room with us here today or somewhere in the future watching this replay. I pray for them not to be triggered emotionally, but I pray for a triggering to bring to their memory that specific place that set their life a course and changed the formation of their identity and brought them to a place that you are not in. I pray for that specific triggering God and for it not to be emotional so that we can identify the areas in our life that are keeping us living beneath our means and beneath the sources that you've already provided for us. I seal it with the blood of the Lamb and the Holy Spirit to break every yoke to a specific triggering event, usually a traumatic experience at an early age. Social phobias have more complex cases 
And it's also believed to be hereditary or genetic. See why you need Christ? Only the Holy Spirit can go in and regulate DNA. Medication is prescribed to try to change the chemical balance, but medication is not a cure. So these phobias, they come, and they're believed to be hereditary or genetically instilled in us, and they alter the chemistry in our brain. Please stay with me. Even if you're not interested in this kind of stuff, stay with me. I promise you the anointing on my life is going to make this have great comprehension to you. And the brain chemistry combined with life experiences play a major role in the development of your phobias. Again, I want to talk about the symptoms. We're almost done, believe it or not. As with any phobia, the symptoms vary person to person, depending on their level of fear. So now we know there's levels of fear. The most common symptoms of phobias are trembling. If anyone is in here and you're feeling it now, even through this conversation, I just want you to speak inside of yourself. I cast down every fear and every imagination that exalted itself against the image of Christ Jesus. Say whatever part of it you can remember. If you can't remember at all, God is already here and he's already working. Because somebody in here already feeling the trembling. Another symptom is chest pains. People have gone to the hospital to find out they were only dealing with a phobia. And no one could convince them that they weren't having a heart attack. Heart palpitations. Elevated blood pressure. Shortness of breath. Rapid speech. I've actually seen that happen to people. Literally witnessed. Like, why are you talking so fast all of a sudden? Or even an inability to speak that can almost look like a stroke. Dry mouth. Upset stomach. Nausea. Hot or even cold flashes when you bring up money. How many in here can identify with it now? Is it the same as before? It's a few more. Absolutely real stuff, and I know it's real to you. The two ways that fear of poverty leads us is always from, I said it earlier, fear, guilt, and shame. Because listen, listen, spiritually, what's behind this is unworthiness unworthiness somewhere in your perception growing up or through the adults that were in charge of you and speaking over your life or into your life gave you a perception you were not worthy of anything more than this that's why God tells us all the time that you are above the angels that you are wonderfully made. You were created in my image. He's fighting all the things that the enemy came in to alter our identity in him. That brought us fears that we should not be walking in. We should have a counseling center helping people through these fears and tell them it wasn't the medicine. One of the, the alternative medicines that they recommend, hypnosis to come in and hypnotize you. And they said, aside from cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what I'm allowed to do as a mental health coach, and it's, it's talk therapy. It's talking it out, taking an actual event, and looking at the other side of what could have happened with the event to cast down all your fears and imaginations. They're saying, aside from that, hypnotist has been proven to be the number one way to get out of this. I think they forgot about the grand hypnotist. 
the one that says fix your mind on things above. Fix your thoughts on things that are of a good report. Things that are pure, things that are encouraging, things that are righteous, things that are fixed. That's what hypnotists do. They're fixing your thoughts. They took it from our God. Fix your thoughts. Then he tells us, once you get them fixed, when it comes back again, cast your cares upon the Lord. Because he cares about you. Father, I have a fear of being broke. Cast it onto me, baby. Because I am the father that has a cattle on a thousand hills. You cannot go broke in me. These things, this fear and guilt and shame working together will make a person believe they are unworthy of receiving good things. Unless they work for it, they don't have a right to it. Can you take medicine? Well, medicine can be prescribed, but note, okay? These are not Christian psychologists. These are psychologists. Note, medicine has side effects. and withdrawal symptoms and they can be pretty severe especially when you're on medications that they tell you don't just stop because you feel better you need a doctor to help you detox from this particular medication high blood pressure that's one of them they tell you don't ever just stop that's the warning with it because they understand the adverse effects of your body being without it now will cause you to have symptoms that you didn't even have before you started taking the meds it is also important to note that medicines do not cure phobias. They can only temporarily suppress the symptoms and the systems of phobias. Unfortunately, there are some people that would turn to illegal drugs and even alcohol to treat these symptoms, thus making a bigger problem for themselves because it can cause the person to form an addiction or their body to get used to this irregularity of how everything else processes in their body. So what are the best treatments? CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or hypnosis according to the world. If you choose not to go that route, there are social Christian psychologists and Christian mental health coaches that can help you work this without any of these worldly things that they prescribe to their people. This isn't what God has. I want you to say this with me. Faith, I'm sorry, fear is a heart issue. Look at somebody and say it with me. Find somebody. Fear is a heart issue. Find someone else. Fear is a heart issue. Fear is a heart issue. That's why medicine is not going to heal your fear. That's why he or she coming back to you isn't going to heal your fear. That's why getting rich doesn't heal your fear. Do you know they've done tests on people who have come from poverty-stricken communities and either became NBA basketball players, hit lotto? Y'all seen them on the news, right? They don't know what to do with the money. So they end up in fear the whole time and end up losing the money because old brother Job warned us, the thing you fear the most will come upon you. If you fear poverty, you're gonna stay in a poverty position because fear has never brought anybody into righteousness or prosperity. People who have feared certain diseases 
diseases came upon them. Fear is workings of the enemy. That is not your father. Yours said, trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. And all bring the old mother in here. I've never seen God leave the righteous or the forsaken. I've never seen his seed. See, we got to get back to that stuff where we understand who God is. We've gotten so educated and so intellectual, we forgot the God who takes care of the lilies in the valley. We forgot the God who feeds the birds in the air. We forgot the God who set up everything to have provision for everything that he set it up to do. We think the answer are in these gods and these worships, and that's not where God is. God is in the simplest of things. Trust me. Trust me when the lights is out. Trust me when they don't even know who you are. Trust me when you're an usher at the door. I've called you before many great people. Trust me when you're in the parking lot that I don't have a destiny for you. Trust me when your marriage is ending that I don't have unconditional love for you. Trust me when you're all by yourself, you will never feel alone again. Trust me when you lost that job that your pocket will never be empty. Trust me, says the Lord. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I may not be rich, but I'm righteous. I may not be wealthy, but I'm righteous. And I got a promise over my head. I got a word over my head that told me because of righteousness in him, I will never go hungry. And my seed will never beg bread. Larry is set because of me. Paying is set because of me. Because my help comes from the Lord. My help never came from a job anyway. My help never came from my family anyway. My help is in the Lord. Come on, let me hear you. Preach, preachers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fear is a heart issue. Don't get hypnotized. Don't take medication. Give God your heart. Let him have your heart again. Let him show you the plans that he has for you, says the Lord. Let him show you that the plans that he has for you are plans of goodness. Not to harm you, not to hurt you, but plans to love you. When you don't have a husband in sight and you desire to be married, let him love you. Don't keep him out of your heart because you don't have what you need. Let him love you. Let him show you that you don't even know how to be loved. Let him show you where the rejection is so he can feel the rejected areas of your heart so that when your Boaz come and your, your Esther comes, that you'll be ready for them and you'll be able to give something to them as they give to you. Instead of two broken, wounded people coming together, trying to figure out how to make this all work. You don't need medication. You need to get your heart right with God. Let me read these scriptures so that I can be Christian in my message. <laughs> Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. I can do 
What's the action word? <laughs> Do. <laughs> who's the Who's the blessing pronounced on? I. God can do all things through what he gives me strength to do. I can do all things. You have a problem believing that right now. I want y'all to sit down because this is serious. I expect healing and deliverance to come from this. Mike, is that your baby? I need you to stay in here and get this word. Self-confidence is where God wants to move in our heart. For a believer, I'm sorry he can't help you today. He loves to help with the babies, I'm sorry. Self-confidence for a believer is the belief that you are confident in what you can do by God. By God who gives you the strength. If you're a child of his and he tells us to trust in the Lord, are you a child of his? Children trust. Even to a fault. Sometimes when there's abusive or mentally ill parents, they trust in their parents. Has God mentally or physically abused you? Trust. Tell your neighbor again. Because fear is a heart issue. Matthew 6 and 24. You cannot love both God and money. And that also means fear it. No man can serve two masters. Do you understand that when fear is operating in your life, it is a master? Whether you have fear of being alone. I was delivered from fear of being alone. I didn't know I had a fear of being alone. I thought I just liked men. So I was always in one relationship or the next. You can go if you want. It's no problem. Get another one. It's like three hanging around right now. Can I be real to this church that I'm supposed to pass the over? So losing you is not a real problem. It's a fear. Even though I know I got two others, it's still a fear for me, which tells me I have a fear of being alone. So my fear really isn't about you. My fear is a heart issue. Because I can get more. I can get many. I can get other. I can get temporaries. If you were in my sex and the soul teaching, I can get a safe man. Somebody you just pick up along the way, maybe a little corny, maybe a little nerdy, just keep you safe until you find the one you really want. It's called a safe man. Fellas, we do that. He could be handicapped, half mentally challenged, can't walk, can't talk, but we carrying Billy Bob around with us. Until we find Morris Chestnut or Denzel or whoever we looking for. And Billy Bob will think that he found the favor of his life. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. To me also I've noticed in the church... The biggest givers in the church don't have a problem giving offerings. 
They don't have the, the people who don't have a problem with money don't have a problem giving big offerings or even just simple tithing. The people who always have problem tithing are the ones who think they're doing something smarter than God by keeping the money and not tithing. I watched it from when I was just a believer and the, the, the group I went to church with, I would watch and see who was tithing. And it was always the same ones that showed up the same way at the dinner table in the restaurant. Oh, come on, tell me they ain't y'all friends. Well, I only got $20 on me. Well, we're going to use Cash App today. And you're going to cash out the bill money today because we're going to break this frugal spirit between me and you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, they don't just play at God's table. They play at the Red Lobster table. They play at the Olive Garden table, the Red Robin table. Where y'all eat at? Where? Yes. People are not frugal in one area. It's a fear for them if you didn't hear me today. It's a fear for them. And what you need to get out of this message, it's not just for being frugal. These are phobias. And guess what? A leopard doesn't change its spot. It doesn't just show up this way for frugal people. It's this way for people with arachnophobia, people who have height fears, people who have fears of falling. It's the same symptoms, the same spirit operating. But yet there's an encyclopedia full of fears that he's cast on our life. But he shows up the same way. So whether I'm fearing you leaving me or I'm feeling, fearing my job leaving or I'm fearing COVID, or, the symptoms are all the same. Same spirit operating but showing up differently in all of us. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. No man can serve two masters for either will hate the one and love the other or he will hold to the one and literally despise the other. You cannot serve God and mamma, mammon. Choose ye this day. Finish it. Jesus was drawing a perspective to his disciples here. He was telling us that we can't serve God and money. He is not making money evil. Money is just a physical object, y'all remember? That represents other physical objects or services that we can purchase with it. Working for our money is a good thing when done in the right spirit. Still, being thankful to God and trusting him for the complete provision. Anybody in here got a plan or a dream or a vision to get more than your paycheck is giving you? Anyone in here a witness that you have gotten more than your paycheck has gotten you? Anyone in here a witness that you have gotten out of more trouble than your paycheck or your bank account could ever get you out of? You know, wealthy people are not wealthy by the numbers they have in the bank. Their wealth is on paper. It's their assets. You see the trickery? How it fools us to think we have to have all this money. Jesus didn't say that I have trillions of dollars on the hill next to some cows. He said, my stuff is on paper. My stuff is written out. I have hills with thousands of cattle on them. And in, in today's day, that's stock and 401k and returns and such. That's what that is interpreted in today's language. It's what you have on paper, not even what you have access to. 
So working is a good thing, but being thankful and trusting him for the complete provision. I know there are some things that he showed me, Elder Joy, that I'm going to have because I desire them. And because I desire them, and believe it or not, I'm the righteous in him, I'm going to have it. I'm gonna, it doesn't matter how much money I have coming in. It doesn't matter how my budget statement looks. I know what I've seen, and I know he showed me living in my abundance. He wants to know that we can let the need for money not consume us, consume our thinking, or motivate our every move. I have a client, y'all. And he does the stock market. He be making money. $2,000 every day sometimes. And it, I just love how God works when you give all your ministries and all your skills and all your work to him. He's been coming to me and he started asking questions like, uh, how did you get, start doing all this? He's pointing at the church while he's in my office. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to take your time. You're paying for this. Let me just give you the short version. He was like, so how did you know you heard God's voice? So I'm like, okay, we're losing time here. He said, but how do you know that he was real? So I said, oh, this is God now. This ain't even about this therapy session we're in right now. Comes back two weeks later. He's asking me some more questions. Three weeks later, he's asking me some more questions. We're together a year now. He said to me at his last visit, he said, you know, I make a lot of money doing stock. I said, I know, you've, you've told me, I know, and I've heard it from some of your family members. He sp said, I spent a lot of time on the stock market. He has three computers across one desk, three on the back side of his desk, working the stock market, makes a lot of money, works his job during the day, eats, takes a nap, and all night doing the stock market. There's lots of money, he's buying properties all over Hartford. He said to me the other day, God told me that I was chasing money though. That this, I said, oh, you heard from God? He said, well, I'm going to assume it's God because I talked to you. I mean, who else is going to talk to me, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who could be talking to you. Man, they could be talking to you. I don't know. But the way he spoke, sound like God to me. You're chasing money. You spend all night long on the stock market making money, making money, making money. He said, this is going to sound crazy. He said, I can't tell anybody else this in my family. He said, I don't think I want to work anymore. I was like, you're going to do the stock market all day, all night? He's, I think I want to work in the church. I sat there like, compose yourself, compose yourself, compose yourself. So I had to think about pizza or something to get my mind off because I wanted to run around that room. He doesn't come here. He's, he's of another nation. And by coming to me, it made him go back to his nation's church. Jesus Christ, all good. He said, but I don't know how I will ever tell my family that I'm going to let all this money go. So when he was getting ready to leave my office, I said to him, Pastor so-and-so, he started laughing. He said, that sounds good. I'm sitting here like, what? This is a miracle. Somebody walking on water in this room today. He said, it sounds good, but I don't think I can pastor. He said, maybe I can do missions. Maybe I could travel around to countries and show them how to make money. I'm blown away by this. Now, mind you, what we got down to the root of all of the therapy that we've been spending time together doing is he has a fear of failure. 
So he stays in relationships longer than he should because he fears failure. He stays in jobs longer than he should because he fears failure. He is driven, driven to the stock market because he fears failure. Now you would think fear and failure, you wouldn't even take a chance on the stock market, right? No, it's the fear of the failure that keeps driving him because if he stops, what could happen to him? But yet God, in the middle of all of that, has been having conversations with this brother where he's thinking about quitting his job and working in the church. He said, I don't know how I'll make money or how I'll really live, but I know all this just sound crazy. I said, not to me. You know who you're talking to? <laughs> Doesn't sound crazy to me. Your family gonna think you lost your mind. But we like this. I understand. When he calls you, you have to trust that he's gonna commission you and give you the provision for what he's called you to do. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you should put on. It's not the life more than the meat and the body than the raiment. Behold the fowls of the ear, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, by worrying, can add one cubit unto this measure? And why take thought for raiment? That's your clothes. Consider the lilies of the field, Kelly, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, Tyra, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these are set up. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is still today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye little children of faith, come to me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I bless God for his word today. I bless God for the healing that came today. I bless God because of the order that has to be set so we don't have to recalibrate the work that God is doing in this room. Listen, y'all, I expect to see an abundance of healing and deliverance in this church. Hallelujah. Come on, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on and stand up with me. Hallelujah. Father, today we recognize, if you could play, I'm closing right here. Father, today we recognize that there are things, things that are operating in our lives, even in our generations. And God, today we repent to you and command those tormentors and robbers to leave us alone. We do not have to serve fear of being poor or fear of anything else. We do not have to get all tangled up in the worries of our personal finance and becoming poor because our Father has something so much more valuable to offer us. He wants to bring rest and peace to our soul and through our lives as we walk in trusting Him. He wants to be your provider today. He wants to be your source today. And he wants to be your protector today. 
He wants to be our strength when we are weak and bring us back to the joy of our salvation, the joy of peace, the joy of hope. And he wants to abide and thrive in us through love that casted out all fear. If you are in this room today and you want special prayer, you can come up to the altar now. And those who are not burdened by the fear of poverty, not everybody can come up for this. If you have a fear of poverty, I need you not to pray for anyone. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Come on and move. God is here today. He's working this thing. Hallelujah. I want to pronounce to everyone at this altar and everyone coming up to this altar, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy so much more than you have cared for yourself. You are worthy. You are worthy even more than the greatest keepers in this earth has cared for you. You are so worthy that God took the time to write about you in his script. To tell you that you are wonderfully made. That's not for some of us. That's for all of us. To tell you that you are loved when human beings didn't know how to love. That he put so much trust in you when you don't even know if what trust is or am I even worthy of the trust. He put so much in us. He's going to give you more as you get out of this fear. It's not about your money. It's not about what you make. Every scripture in the Bible isn't to point out who gave more. The woman who came to the altar and gave the mites that she had, which was the smallest amount over everyone else. It was the fact that she gave out of everything she had because she believed that day that as she gave, he's going to give more from provision. You can listen to this movie, this, this message today, and you can be watching online and looking at it like it's just a movie, but God is already moving about this place. He's already above your heads. He's already filling your soul. He's already dealing with your heart. He's already turning your mind around. He's giving you trust and faith that you haven't had your entire life. You've got to buy into the fact that I am worthy. And the only way I, as a child of God, can be broke, alone, or sheltered off somewhere dealing with my fears is if it was God's plan for my season in him for that life. Outside of that, seasons are ending today and shifting in Jesus' name. Seasons are changing now. He gave me this message timely. This message has come to shift you into a new season. God said, I want you to love me with an unconditional love, but what you forgot about is loving yourself has to come after that. Because every other love that comes from that has to be healthy. You cannot love somebody else more than you love yourself. Because out of that well of self-love comes the love for everybody else. And you've neglected that portion. God said that season has changed for you. Today, psychologically, spiritually, biochemically, God is altering your DNA through the moving of the Holy Spirit. And he's allowing you to have a love for yourself that is going to be selfish. It's going to be so freeing and so giving to know that I'm worthy. I'm worthy of the best seat in the house. I'm worthy at the table. I matter in conversation. When I shop, I don't have to start at the clearance rack. I can get what I need for myself because it's not being arrogant and showing my faith in the provisions of God. Are you not the righteousness of God? 
Have I not clothed the fields and the forest forever? Have I not restored back to this earth all the oil and water that it needs? Am I not the God that still stops the ocean and the sea where I told it to stop the first time? Am I not the God that still tells the moon when to shine, the sun when to glow, and the stars when to come out? Do you think that I wouldn't take care of you? You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, darling. You are worthy, Joel. Khabibi, you're worthy. Joy, you're worthy, worthy. You say it. Worthy, worthy, because it's down deep. It's down deep. Hallelujah. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. I want you to hear it. You're worthy. Because I know there's effects going on in your body right now. You're worthy. You're not worthy only in how you take care of your children or your spouse. You're worthy because God created you. He didn't make a mistake in you. Let him get the glory out of your life. Glory in him and how you take care of yourself. Be patient with yourself. Compassionate with yourself. You're worthy. You're worthy. somebody in the living room with you, in the car with you, wherever you're listening to this just tell them they're worthy, you'd be surprised how that's going to affect somebody today, everybody don't believe they're worthy I call your identity to be formed in Christ today no longer beggars and borrowers, but lenders and loners, says the Lord in Jesus name, no longer the tail, but now the head says the Lord no longer being cast away by every word that has come to assault you and to bring you into a place of fear. He said, cast it all down. I've already shown you miracle signs and wonders, says the Lord. Now it's just time to plain old trust me. Plain old trust me. Plain old trust me. God's watching our witness. And if we can't trust him, what are we showing other people? All you got to do is just know that it's okay to love yourself. It's amazing to know that our identity doesn't even come from our parents. God let us look like them, and we get a little bit of genetics like them. But what about people who don't know their parents? They weren't raised by their parents. We can be recreated by adopted parents. Anybody got any adoption papers in here today? Yes, Gwen Tucker. We've been adopted in Christ. I look like him. I have access like him. I can speak those things that are not as though they're him. Not working magic, but working my inheritance. I was even reading that I don't have time to take us forward in today, that even for people in business, put a price tag on it. Put a price tag on it, Tyra. What you see before you paint it, put a price tag on it. One proof that we have self-confidence that comes from our confidence as God is that we're able to put a price on the things that we know we can do. When you don't believe you're worthy, you either don't put a price on it or it's all about the worry and the fear of money. I don't know 
don't know about y'all, but for those that don't have this particular fear and you don't worry about money, you can give things away, right? And you're not even fearful about what it costs or whether you will get it again. This is what I want to pronounce over this house. Some of y'all were in my situation where you just went through a Job experience, as we like to call it, in God, and the lights was turned off one too many times and it brought fear on you. I'm not like this in any other part of my life. I am a giver. I am a sower. But I have this fear that comes because I know what it's like to not have. God said, that's the thing that I'm coming for today. I want you to lift your hands at this altar. And I want you to say it after me. I'm worthy. I got a declaration I'll have you say, but we'll, we can do it on the week after Minister Brittany speaks because it's upstairs in my briefcase. But I want you to understand it. I want you to have it with you. And it's just not a declaration. It has the steps in it. Know your worth. What do you bring to this earth? What is the supply that you have for the demand that's in this earth? Have you been giving it away? Do you think it's godly not to be an exchanger in the commerce of money? This is the system that God developed to make the world go round. What are you worth? What do you believe about yourself? And then put an amount on it, a worth. It doesn't even have to be a dollar amount. What are your beliefs? What makes you special? What is it worth to you? Does any of it add up to a million dollars or do you just write it because it's the right thing to say? It's the right thing to do. Do you believe that you are worth something? And then I'm going to ask you, how does it show up in your life if you believe it? Because we should all be able to see it. Amen? I want you to just take a moment and cast your cares before the Lord because he cares for you. And if we need to, out of this group right here, we can make a support group right here and meet online or in church and just work some six steps to change your faith around, to change your mindset around, because that's all it is. Hasn't he kept you this long? If anybody whose story I know, hasn't he kept you this long? How do you even own a house? That BMW you driving. Because that's what it's going to turn into. How do you give? How do you give me cash apps randomly because you're led to bless me? How are you able to do that if he hasn't always given you according to his measure? Press down, shaking, running over. How? Cast it down because you have more memories about how good God has shown up in your life than you do the times that you're holding on to. And psychology is called the bad outweighs the good, where we tend to remember more bad memories than the good ones. Today, we all agree with me today? Point your hands. Will you agree with me today? Today, we cast out the bad memories and we call forth every good memory in your life that has spoken and shown you miracle signs and wonders. Bad memories, we decree and declare that you shall cease and desist from your activity in my heart and in my mind now in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. Hallelujah. 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 Now I'm going to ask one of our richest members. Whoever came up, I was going to say that to today. 
I'm going to ask you to sow a seed, and I'm not going to tell you an amount. If the message did something for you and you want to sow according to that, you do it. If this isn't about the message, it's just what you normally give, then just do it. I'm not going to stand here and say we're going to break poverty today, but I know we're going to come against a mindset today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anna, pray as they come up. In Jesus' name. We break the mindsets that have us bound in fear. And not just the fear of money or the fear of losing money or the fear of poverty. Every fear that besets us from who we are in God. Every fear that has altered our identity in God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, honey, give. In Jesus' name. She shouldn't have wore that shirt today. In Jesus' name. All right, Vitti. Thank you, Lord. Just give. Father, as we leave this place, we thank you for the blessing that won't reside in the place alone, but in your people. We thank you that you've caused us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We thank you because you called us to be lenders and loaners and not borrowers. We come against the spirit that comes against you and the identity that you formed in us. We are not going to operate. We're not going to live. We're not going to love. We're not going to believe. We're not going to give. We're not going to be your children in a fallen nature, but in the rebirth nature that you've given us in our rebirth to you. We thank you, Father, as you leave this place, but never your presence, that your spirit will rest, rule, and abide in us for this moment and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave, if there's one that wants to give their life to Christ, you could come now. The ministers will meet you. If there's one that wants to become a part of the Apostles' House, you can come up now, and the ministers or pastors will meet you. Other than that, you are dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.